From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. New physical activity guidelines have come out, and the short description of them is move more, sit less. But HealthLink on Air is going to get into greater depth with Carol Sames, who's in the studio with me today. She's an exercise physiologist and director of the Vitality Fitness Program at Upstate and an associate professor of physical therapy education. Welcome, Dr. Sames. Thank you, Amber. So let's talk about the science behind uh, the urging of people to move more, sit less. So the first physical activity guidelines came out 10 years ago. And in the intervening 10 years, there's been a great amount of research that's looked at sedentary behaviors. And certainly it's not surprising that as a society, we're sitting more. And the research has demonstrated that sitting is adversely linked to bad outcomes, specifically um, cardiovascular disease, um, metabolic syndrome, weight gain, um, and that over time, individuals that sit more and move less have uh, die prematurely. So that research has been replicated many times, and that's why these new guidelines are really emphasizing the importance of That's a of little moving. startling when you put it like that. It really is. And in fact, uh, some of the newer research has found that um, even if I get up in the morning and I go out for a run and I sit for eight hours behind my desk, that I have poor metabolic um, outcomes. So it's not just a matter of I've got my 30 minutes in and I am good for the day. It's I need to think about activity kind of existing throughout my waking days or hours. So I want to get up from my desk, even if it's only for two or three minutes, just get up. It kind of resets that bad sleep mode that our body can go into. Wow. Interesting. Now, are we sitting more because of electronics mostly? Well, I think it's on a computer these days. I think it's just a combination. There are so many jobs where we are behind a desk. Um, We, we, you know, if you look at manufacturing jobs, there are certainly not as many of of them. And so there are a lot of jobs that do require us to sit. And certainly when we look at children, we see that there's increased sedentary behaviors amongst them. And, you know, it's easy to just say, let's blame the electronics. But, you know, I think maybe I'm not encouraging activity in my children or, you know, kind of prompting or or having, you know, guidelines how long we can watch television or how long we should be uh, playing on games. Well, I've also seen an increase. I see advertisements on TV for desks that allow you to stand or walk while you're working yes. at, at your computer. Yes. So is that sort of trying to address that? That certainly is uh, trying to address just getting people just to, to move, to kind of understand that the body was meant to move, really wasn't meant to just be static. And so if we can just encourage people to move and not to think about moving as exercise, but moving as a good thing for our bodies. Or walking farther across a parking lot or walking to the store or whatever. Yes, yard work, dancing. We don't have to pigeonhole ourselves into those kind of traditional exercise activities, but just movement. We want to move more. Well, let's talk about, there's some documented sort of immediate benefits from physical activity, right? Yes, and that's some of the newer guidelines that came out. When the original guidelines came out, most of the benefits were considered more long-term. But we now know that there are immediate benefits, um, such as a reduction in anxiety, um, uh, a reduction in um, stress that you can measure by cortisol levels, um, better sleep, 
Um, and there's also changes in insulin sensitivity that can occur after one bout of exercise. And these are documented, proven Right. We have research. Absolutely. Also a decrease in blood pressure. So really immediate impacts that you see right after a single bout of exercise. And then there's also the long term, right? Yes. So the traditional long term benefits of of activity, while we would spend all morning discussing them, but cardiovascular disease, a reduction in that, um, a reduction in death from cardiovascular disease, um, and certain types of cancer. The new guidelines address some of the newer benefits. Um, It used to be colon and breast cancer, and now it also includes bladder, endometrium, esophageal, kidney, stomach, and lung cancer. Um, Some of the new guidelines also um, have seen strong evidence suggesting a uh, not prevention of dementia, but a decrease in the decline. So there's dementia is is a catch-all for many different types of cognitive Cognitive decline. decline. So, but exercise, looked at people as they've aged and individuals that are more active have less incidences of cognitive decline. Wow. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with exercise physiologist Carol Sames, and we're talking about the new physical activity guidelines for Americans. So what are the new recommendations? Do they talk about uh, amount of time per day or? So they do kind of give you a kind of a, a very comprehensive um, continuum of activities. So we start with children ages three to five, preschoolers, and the guidelines are that we need to keep children active, whether it be light, moderate, or vigorous activity. Preschool children should be engaged in about three hours of activity a day. You know, if you think about young kids, they play. Um, we don't want to plop them down in front of a television and say, sit here. Um, Of course, I think what we're going to find in in, in years to come is that we can look at children and see how they progress into adulthood and older adulthood and then be able to see from maybe some sedentary behaviors that were established in young childhood how that impacts. We don't have that research yet. but And then there's children that they just, from ages 6 to 17, that whole adolescent phase. And the guidelines uh, remain um, 60 minutes a day. And that activity is moderate to vigorous. Three days a week, it should be vigorous. And the way we differentiate between moderate and vigorous is moderate is I can carry on a conversation as I'm walking. Mm -hmm. Vigorous is where you really start to know an increase in breathing. And I'm having a little bit more time, difficult time talking with you. And so that Uh, that age group should do three days of vigorous activity. They should also do muscle strengthening and bone loading activities. So muscle strengthening could be, you know, the monkey bars. It it could be doing things that are body weight exercises. Um, And bone strengthening is skipping and hopping and running and those types of activities. Um, Because um, one of the premises is that we may develop osteoporosis later in life where it's clinically diagnosed, but it starts in childhood. And the exercises or activities you described aren't necessarily things that you would have to go to a gym to do. It sounds like playground activities, right? Just getting up and moving. And again, um, if you, you know, uh, if you kind of look at children at a playground, you know, generally speaking, you see them running and jumping. And, and so they're the activities to encourage active play. And it could be 
more traditional things, but it could also be non-traditional things, you know, um, doing work around the house, not, that's a great thing, you know, push lawnmowers. Right, exactly. So all of that activity counts. Are there uh, specific, uh, are pregnant women addressed in the guidelines? Yes, for the first time, uh, pregnant women. So women, both during pregnancy and postpartum, which is one year post-delivery, women should be getting 150 minutes, minimally, of moderate activity. If a woman has already been engaged in more uh, vigorous types of activities, she can continue them through pregnancy and postpartum. And they're really stressing the postpartum, um, that it's not just being active during pregnancy, but also postpartum. And that women should um, be under the care of a healthcare provider, and that um, they should talk to them about the types of activity they're doing, and they should be monitored during their pregnancy. But a woman who's, say, a runner, um, when she becomes pregnant, can Continue. Most likely continue to safely run. Right, right. And, um, you know, certainly she wants to have the health care provider to, you know, check the, the, the child and make sure that everything is going well with the pregnancy. And that's a big change. I know when I had my children back in the 90s, my OBGYN wasn't, was like, you still want to run? And I was like, yes. I do want to run. And so I had heart rate guidelines, um, but uh, these new guidelines don't give any heart rate um, guidelines, just moderate activity. Well, and depending on how the pregnancy progresses, though, there there may be some aches and pains and some mobility issues that Absolutely. come up. But um, I don't know, walking on a treadmill? Are there, are there ways that if you had been very active before, but you're not feeling it so much, there's still ways that you can... Get in your moves, right? Absolutely. And again, we want to move. We just want to make sure that we're continuing to move. Um, And it doesn't have to be the more traditional types of activities. So are there specific guidelines for older adults, um, seniors? Yes. So when we talk about older adults, the the guidelines are actually the same as as middle-aged adults. And that is a minimum of 150 minutes per week of moderate activity, um, up to 300 And then for vigorous activity, 75 minutes per week, up to 150. Now what's interesting is the guidelines also say that you can derive even additional health benefits by going over the minimum and even over the maximum. So there are additional health benefits to be gained. You can also combine both moderate and vigorous activity. Um, For older adults and middle-aged adults, they also recommend strength training, muscle loading activities, because we need muscle to move. And as we get older, we actually naturally lose muscle mass. And so it's really important to do two days a week, major muscle groups of some type of muscle strengthening types of activities. It doesn't have to be free weights. It could be body weight activity. It could be band activity. You know, it could even be carrying my groceries, putting them away. Um, doing yard work, so that's really important. When you say body weight activity, are you? Is it things like push-ups? So it can be push-ups. It can be wall squats. It can be like sit to stands out of a chair. Okay. Um, and so people will be like, "How hard can that be?" Well, for some individuals, standing up out of a chair can be challenging, and we want to make sure that we have mobility as we get older. I could do single leg get out of a chair with my arms crossed, not using the arms on the chair. So. Body weight um, activities are very effective, and they tend to be functional activities, and they tend to be multi-joint activities. The last thing for older adults is that they should engage in 
two days a week of balanced type activities because we know there's an increased risk of falls as we get older. And so balanced types of activities uh, should also be included in, in that weekly activity. When I think of balance, I think of yoga as yes. one example. Are mm-hmm. there others? That- um, certainly. I mean, I could even do things like walking, like trying to walk on a tightrope. Or I could try walking in a hallway where it would be safe with my eyes open, eyes closed, to also kind of get some proprioceptive. Um, I can work on you know, stepping off a step, back up onto a step. Certainly there's a strength component to that also, because we know strength is associated with balance. Now, people that maybe um, have mobility issues or they're in a wheelchair, do the exercise guidelines address that? Yes. So we want all individuals to move, regardless of chronic disease or disability. And the same um, guidelines apply 150 minutes a week. Now, what the guidelines do address is that we want to make sure that if somebody has been sedentary for a long period of time, any movement is good movement, uh, as long as it is safe. Um, So that if I can only go for a couple of minutes, that's where I start. That I want to make sure that the activities that I select are safe for me. Um, That, um, you know, I don't try to go from zero to hero in a week. Because that's just going to set me up for failure. The whole idea of of movement is that it's a a lifestyle. It's not a five-week, six-week, eight-week fix. Um, you know, this is something that we want to do consistently. And that also kind of gets into maybe a safety issue, too, if you try to do too much too quickly. Right. Or I, I say to myself, oh, it's okay that it's snowing outside. I'm going to go outside and do something. Whereas I might say to myself, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk inside today. Um, I can walk laps in my house. It may be a little boring, but the sidewalk isn't plowed. It may be slippery. Um, You know, it's kind of the common sense. Or if it's really hot outside, you know, I'm not dressed appropriately. Um, Just kind of using the common sense with the safety guidelines. And the guidelines talk about that, right? Yes, they absolutely do. Um, That, you know, we need to kind of think of ourselves and where what we want to do in relationship to where we are fitness-wise. So if I haven't been running, I don't want to go out and run. You know, I want to walk first. Um, and then gradually maybe jog a little, walk a little, and, and, and gradually progress. Well, thank you so much. This is very good information. My guest has been exercise physiologist Carol Same. She's the director of the Vitality Fitness Program at Upstate and an associate professor in the College of Health Professions. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.